Specialty Story, session number 31. Whether you're a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to the Specialty Stories Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here, as well as the host of the Pre-Med Years, the MCAT Podcast, the old Pre-Meds Podcast, and whatever else I'm working on at the moment. Check out everything that we do at mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D, media.com. Today, I have a great discussion interview for you with a community-based headache specialist, a neurologist who has specialized in headache medicine. Now, Dr. Kristen Saylor has been practicing for four years outside of her fellowship, and she is going to share with us all about that journey, why she chose it, what she likes about it, what she doesn't, and how you can start deciding if headache medicine is right for you. So I opened up the conversation by talking about what led her down this path to neurology and headache medicine. I knew that I wanted to be a neurologist when I was about 14 years old, um, which I know is unusual, but I had a family member with Tourette syndrome. And so very early on, I was you know, learning about Tourette syndrome, the brain was completely fascinated by all of it and decided you know, very early in my life that this was the career for me. And I just sort of hyper-focused on that pathway and I never gave up, gave up on it. As for headache medicine, that wasn't on my radar until I was in, I think it would have been my third or fourth year of medical school. I was on my neurology rotation and I was sent to see a headache consult on a patient who was on an inpatient psych ward at the, uh, at the Westchester Medical Center. And I remember taking the history of the the headache case and just being really fascinated by the story. She had a very interesting visual aura, and I thought it was really cool. And I started learning more about migraine. And so by the end of medical school, not only was I still on the path to becoming a neurologist, but I had already sort of carved out that I would thought that headache was the field for me. And as I went through residency, it was just confirmed every step of the way that I was more and more fascinated by by headaches. What was it about the headaches? Is it just the the magical nature? You're talking about aura. Yeah, I mean, there's something there's something about it that's sort of you know exciting because you can have all these strange phenomenon, right? You can have aphasia with a migraine. You can have hemiplegia. You can have these visual disturbances. So all of that is kind of interesting and unusual. But what it really was is that I've always been very interested in the central nervous system in particular, and also in neurotransmitter systems. And that probably harkens back to my brother with Tourette syndrome and learning about dopamine. And so anything that really gets down to the nitty gritty of like the serotonergic system or the dopaminergic system, I'm kind of interested in. Um, so that was sort of where my interest lied, because with migraine, it's, it's predominantly a problem with the serotonergic system. I mean, that's simplification, but that's a, a general way you could look at it. And it just seemed interesting to me. And also, I liked that there were so many treatment options and that we could really turn the course of someone's life around. You know, I was also interested in Parkinson's disease because similarly, it's a neurotransmitter-based disease. 
but I didn't feel as much excitement there because it's an, you know, there's going to be an, an inev- inevitable decline. You can help people through it, but you can't really change the course of their disease. Whereas with migraine or cluster or, you know, a lot of the other primary headache disorders, we have interventions that can, that can change their life and take them from being completely disabled and in pain every day to nearly pain free. And so that's sort of, you know, tempting in neurology because we don't have a lot of that, you know, (laughs) so it was an exciting field for all kinds of reasons. What traits do you think lead to being a good headache specialist? I think that you need to be very, very patient. I think that that's probably one of the, the ones, like the one skill that I use the most day to day because headache patients don't always give the greatest history. They don't always know how to describe what they're feeling and you really have to, to kind of guide them through it to get the information out of them that you need. So patience is key. I think that you also need to like the work of being a detective, which I think if you're going into medical school, you like the detective work anyways, because this is predominantly what we do as diagnosticians. But in particular, in headache, you really need to be a good detective because there are so many things that can cause a headache and not every headache is a migraine, not every headache is a tension headache. So you need to be able to fuss out really what the underlying causes are. And then the last trait I think that is vital is that you need to be okay with psychiatry because there's a lot of overlap between headache disorders and psychiatric disorders. In particular, migraine is comorbid with anxiety, depression, and bipolar. So I see a lot of people with psychiatric comorbidities, which I'm not managing. You know, I don't, I don't manage their psychiatric illnesses, but I need to be able to be patient with them and help them cope through these things. So I think if you're somebody who does not like to deal with psychiatry, it's probably not a good field for you because you need to have that that skill set. And you know, alternatively, if you were really interested in psychiatry also, you could choose to manage both issues. You could, you know, we in neurology, we study a good amount of of psychiatry, so you could choose to be a headache specialist and also manage their anxiety, manage manage their depression. You you really could choose to do both. I personally don't like to manage the psychiatric issues because I'm just not as well, I'm not as up to date on it. I don't do as much reading in the journals about it. So I feel like I'm out to date on on that management side of it, but I'm definitely comfortable seeing patients with those diseases. I think those are like three good traits for for being a headache doctor. It doesn't hurt if you have headaches. Patients really like that if you get headaches. Of course, I don't, so they don't like that. But if you get migraines, then they really feel like you understand them. So that's always a plus. Takes one to know one. Right, exactly. Unfortunately, I don't get any headaches, so they feel like I can't ever understand them, but I pretend. You talked about knowing neurology was kind of the right path for you during medical school, during your training. Were -hmm. there any other specialties that pulled at you and you second-guessed neurology for any bit of time? Not for a second. (laughs) Good. Not for a second. You know, I I was interested in, in other fields because I just thought that they were, you know, interesting in general, but I never once thought that they were the right field for me. I always was, I thought psychiatry was really interesting, but then when I looked at the day-to-day of what a psychiatrist does and, you know, what their life looks like day-to-day seeing patients, I knew that was not for me. I always thought that internal medicine was like the best field because the most impressive people, in my opinion, went into internal medicine. They need to know everything. They need to manage these complicated cases. So they were always like the rock stars to me were the people that were going into primary care but I just knew that that wasn't the field for me. I wanted to be 
that person that was going to dig my hole really deep and narrow and just do headache, but do it really, really well. Describe a typical day and the types of patients that you're treating during the day. Yeah, so my my typical day, I'm outpatient, um, pretty much outpatient for the majority of it. I do take some call at a local community hospital, but it's it's not very often. Um, so I'm usually in the office for you know seven hours and seeing office patients, new consults, or follow up visits for patients I've already seen. I predominantly do headache, so I'm seventy five percent a headache specialist, but I'm also a general neurologist. I have my hand a little bit in general neurology. So about 25% of my patients could have a variety of things from dementia to epilepsy, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis. I think the, the reason for that is because I'm in a multi-specialty group. So my referral base is a group of primary care doctors, OBGYNs, pediatricians. And so they want to have somebody here with some general neurology skills as well. Um, and I like to have a little bit of general neurology because there are some days where I feel like I've seen so many really complicated headache patients back to back and I'm just, you know, emotionally and cognitively exhausted. And then someone will walk in with carpal tunnel and it's such an easy thing. And I'm like, oh, what a nice break. So I think it is nice to have that break there. But I will say that if you're in, if you're in a headache specialty center as a headache specialist, and you're you're only doing headache, then you're not going to be doing any general neurology at all. Um, and I, th- I think there's pluses to both. But my typical day is just seeing patients in the office, managing callbacks and and you know their medications and, and emails that might come in. A lot of patients that I see will call me if they're in a bad migraine, and so about an hour every day at the end of the day, I'm spending time speaking with patients on the phone, helping them get through a bad migraine if they need that that assistance. Do you do any procedures for patients? I do. And that's another thing that I probably should have mentioned when you asked about the traits for being a headache doctor um, is that you should like procedures. You know, they're simple procedures. Um, I do nerve blocks. So there are a variety of cranial nerves that you can inject with, you know, lidocaine, bupivacaine, steroids, and you can numb those up and stop a migraine or a a cluster headache while it's happening. I do trigger point injections, which are focused more on muscles of the the neck and head and shoulders. I do another type of nerve block called a sphenopalatine ganglion block, which is actually a a catheter that goes up through the nose to block a nerve cluster behind the sinuses. And I do Botox for chronic migraines. So these are all relatively simple procedures. Um, You can do them in the office. They're quick. They're easy. They relieve pain very effectively. And they're, you know, pretty lucrative, you know, relatively speaking for the amount of time that it takes to do them. So it's a nice supplement to the day-to-day of being a headache doctor. You're not just sitting and talking all the time. Sometimes you're you're doing things with your hands that are very low-risk procedure. So it's not like you're doing surgery and the, you know, complication rates are pretty much next to nothing, which is nice. So there's they're very low-stress procedures, but they can help patients a lot. And then lumbar punctures, I should mention that. As a headache doctor, you're not going to do a lot of lumbar punctures, but you are going to do them, or you're going to need to refer them out to get them done somewhere else. But I do I do my own lumbar punctures in the office. You mentioned taking call at the local community hospital. When you're on call, what does that look like? Do you ever have to go in for emergencies, or is it typical, typically just consults over the phone? So where I am, I do have to go in. Um, my hospital is a stroke center, and we don't have any kind of t- 
teleneurology or any other support. We have a neurohospitalist who's in the hospital from nine to five, Monday through Friday. And so when, you know, nine to five, Monday through Friday, when I'm in the office, I'm never torn away to the hospital. I can just focus on my office. But about once every two weeks, I'll have a a shift from 5 p.m. till 9 a.m. where I'm on call for any hospital issues. Generally, we get a stroke code, an acute stroke code, you know, around every other day. So it really comes down to luck. You know, last night I was on call and unfortunately I got a stroke code at midnight and I had to get up out of bed, get dressed, go to the hospital, see the stroke patient, give them TPA, admit them to the ICU and they know then get back to bed. So that is, you know, unfortunately the reality of, of taking call at a stroke hospital. But most headache doctors don't do the stroke call coverage. It's just because I have this little bit of of general neurology still, and I'm kind of involved in a general neurology coverage group that I'm doing this call still. Most headache specialty centers don't have uh, the kind of call that would require you to go in after hours like that. Okay. Do you feel like being a headache doc, you have good good time for a family work-life balance? Yes, I would say that I have a fantastic work-life balance. Um, Part of that is my own choosing because I have chosen to only schedule patients 32 hours a week. So I, I, you know, I split my days up. I have some days that are longer, some days that are shorter, but I, I only schedule patients for 32 hours a week. As I said earlier, I usually am here an extra hour a day doing messages and phone calls. So that adds up to about 36 hours a week of, of clinical work. And I think that that's a perfect number for me because I've got two young kids and I am the, I'm the one that drives them to daycare and picks them up from daycare and gets them home and settled and gets their dinner set up. And so I really want to, you know, have the time to do that with them and not rush them and not, not have to feel like I'm, you know, wasting my time seeing patients all the time and not seeing my children. And with headache, you really have that, that freedom over your schedule because you're not covering a surgical center, you're not taking a lot of call, you really can just set your office hours and then decide what works for you. What does the path to becoming a headache specialist look like with training and residency and stuff? Yeah, so you you do an intern year, um, you know, for, so it's a medicine year, a preliminary year. Um, I do not think you can do a transitional year for neurology. I think it has to be a preliminary year, but correct me if I'm wrong because you might know that. Then you do a neurology residency, which is three years. And then you do one year as a, you know, in a headache fellowship position. And there's, you know, more and more headache fellowship positions every year. It's really an expanding field. So I, I did my headache fellowship at St. Luke's Roosevelt um, in New York City after you finish your headache fellowship, you would take the boards, the board certification for headache medicine. You would then be able to call yourself a board certified headache specialist. If you didn't take the boards, you could still call yourself a headache specialist just without that additional board certification. Also, you'll have to do the neurology board certification after um, after your neurology residency. How competitive is headache fellowship? So it's 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 one of those funny things that when I when I applied for it it was more competitive but it was only more competitive because there were fewer headache fellowship spots but now the number of headache fellowship spots that are available I think in the last 4 years 5 years has nearly doubled 
So it's it's less competitive now than it was before because it's becoming such a it's such a popular field and and people are learning more and more about it and they want to start up their own headache fellowships. So if you know if you want to be a headache you know specialist, you will be able to to get into that position and find that role. So it's definitely not that competitive. The other funny thing about it is that you know a lot of neurologists get really turned off by headaches. They feel like the patients are demanding and crazy and they don't want to deal with the headaches. And I just never felt that way. I felt like my patients were in a lot of pain and they were suffering and they may have some anxiety and depression, but that they were the patients that needed the most help. And so I never was turned off by the idea of it. So the majority of neurologists actually pursue neuromuscular. They like doing EMGs and looking at the arms and legs and kind of the peripheral nervous system. I had a completely different you know, opinion on what patients were interesting. So it's more often than not that you're going to end up being the only person in your class of neurology residency that wants to do headache. So in that sense, also, it's not competitive. It sounds like you have to be okay with subjective data, whereas a lot of people like the objective data. Definitely, definitely. So the diagnoses for primary headache disorders are made by clinical criteria. So that's very similar to like psychiatry where you have the DSM-5 and you're going to look through and you're going to check off, okay, like they have one of these and one of these and one of these. And so we can diagnose them with, with anxiety, migraine and cluster and tension headaches and hemicrania continua. Those have the same concept. It's clinical criteria. There's no blood test. There's no nerve test. There's no MRI. There's, there's nothing. That's all going to be normal. So you need to be confident in your ability to look at a pattern and to identify that pattern as being a certain diagnosis. What should a student be doing, a medical student be doing, if they think they're interested in headache or they want to pursue this to make themselves stand out when, when it comes to applying for a competitive fellowship? I would, you know, I would recommend getting involved in either headache research because there's a ton of research right now into headaches and treatment for headaches. Or alternatively, you can get involved in um, the campaign for migraine that the American Migraine Foundation is running, which is a, a political campaign and also it's a social awareness campaign. Um, it's called Move Against Migraine. And it's a really important campaign that we're trying to help educate the the country really about migraine and how common it is. It's 13% of the country has migraine, 18% of women, 6% of men, trying to educate people on how common it is and how debilitating it is and help getting more research money to go to migraine so that we can get more treatments for people. So, you know, I'm very involved in, in helping spread the word for the Move Against Migraine campaign. And I think that anybody who's interested in headache medicine, if they got involved with the American Migraine Foundation and started just offering their help, you know, hey, can I help post, put posters up or do anything, that would be very impressive to anybody in the headache world because they would think that, wow, that person really, you know, is interested in this and is looking to help people. You're an MD. Do you see mm -hmm. any negative bias towards DOs in the field? No, not at all. I mean, hands down, not at all. There's tons of DO headache doctors, tons of DO neurologists. I couldn't even tell you who was a DO in my residency because nobody cared. When, when you become a headache specialist, are there more opportunities down the road to further subspecialize? 
So once you're a headache specialist, there's there's not a ton of further subspecialty within headache. You know, I say that now, but probably in ten years there will be. I have a lot of um, I have a lot of colleagues though that that choose to focus more on one type of headache. It's easier to do that for migraine because it's so common. So there are some headache specialists that are kind of known as like the migraine guru. There's a couple of headache specialists that are known for being the, you know, the headache specialist that you would go to if you need inpatient management. You know, if you need to be detoxed from medications and, and you need an inpatient management, like there's one guy in Michigan who's like known for doing that. So you can kind of carve out a niche for yourself. But as for formal specialization right now, there's nothing past being a headache specialist. Looking at the the patients that come to you from primary care providers, what do you wish you what do you wish primary care providers knew about headache medicine for you to do a better job with the patients that they send you? Um, I would just want primary care doctors or anyone referring me patients to not give them any opiates or any butalbital medications. <laughs> this is this is a, you know, a, a, a scourge, these medicines. We have a lot of patients who come to us. They've been managed by primary care for a period of time. And that primary care doctor has just sort of said, well, here, I'm going to give you this butalbital caffeine combination medicine, which is brand name Furacet or Vicodin or Percocet, just to help you get to the neurologist until, you know, help your pain until you see them. But unfortunately, those medications worsen migraines. They worsen a lot of headaches. And then you can also develop dependency on them. So that would be my number one request would be, you know, if you're if you're worried that the patient has to wait a certain amount of time and you're worried about their pain, don't give them a pain pill. Just call me, request to talk to me and ask me to get them in sooner. You know, I'd always prefer that than to see them in three, four weeks and have to not only manage their headaches, but help them detox from, from Vicodin or Percocet because we don't use those kinds of medicines in, in headache. So, you know, we don't use opiates. We don't use butalbital medications. So that would be the number one. Other than that, really, you know, I, I'm happy to see anything that a primary care doctor wants to send me. A lot of doctors will call and they'll say, I'm not sure if this is an appropriate consult for you. Let me run it by you. And I'm usually reassuring them if they're having a headache of any kind, just send them my way. You know, even if it's just that their head hurts after a viral infection, I can help them get through that. So any type of headache is is fine in my book. What other specialties do you work the closest with? I work very closely with primary care, internal medicine, um, because that's the primary referral base that I get patients from. But I also work closely with OBGYNs who, who often send patients because, you know, women will frequently not even have a primary care doctor. They'll just be seeing their OBGYN until they're, you know, in their 40s. That's all they need is to see an OBGYN every year. So they'll be sending me patients for migraine. I see 13 and up for, for headaches. So I work with pediatricians. And lastly, I work with psychologists and psychiatrists because if there's a patient with a really difficult comorbid psychiatric condition, those tie into the headaches. So I need to be involved and, and apprised of their psychiatric care so that I can better treat their headaches. Knowing what you know now, having been practicing for four years, what do you wish you knew, if anything, back when you first started in the field? Hmm. That's a good question. I think I probably would, I, I would have wanted to understand 
or not understand, but I would, I would have wanted to be able to learn early on how to cope with failure. Because unfortunately in the, in the headache world, as a headache specialist, I'm often the, the third neurologist they've seen. Sometimes I'm the third headache specialist they've seen and they've already tried everything in the, in, in my toolbox and I try a few things, but you know, some people, you unfortunately, you can't cure them. You can't help them. And that that hit me kind of hard when I first started because when you're a young physician of any kind, you put your heart and soul into every day and you really invest yourself in it. And then when someone doesn't get better and you feel like you've failed, that's tough. So, I, I, you know, it took me a little bit of time to process that and to learn how to not take that as a personal failure, but to learn how to conceptualize it and move past it. And so I wish I knew that early on or had had that skill early on, but it might be one of those skills that you just have to learn as you go. What do you like the most about being a headache doc? Hands down the ability to help people. I mean, it's, it's every single day, you know, I might see someone who I haven't helped and they're miserable and they're still in pain, but I, without a doubt, will see somebody who will say that, you know, the Botox we've been doing has changed their life or the new medicine that they're on has allowed them to spend more time with their kids and so you really can have a huge impact in someone's life, uh, their disability, get them back to work, get them functioning, being a better mother, spouse. So the ability to actually help people get back to their lives and to feel good about their themselves, that's that's what I like the most. What do you like the least? Um, I think the failure part, as I mentioned before, I think that's tough because as a headache specialist, you're going to see the toughest cases. You're not always going to have those wins. So I think I probably like that the least. I really dislike the stroke call that I take, but you know, for most headache specialists, that's not going to be part of the deal. Um, and I, you know, I think four years ago, if you, if I, if you asked me that question, I would have said that I hated some of the, the really difficult psychiatric comorbidities that I see. I, you know, I have a lot of patients with borderline personality disorder. I probably would have told you four years ago that that really you know, bothered me, but I've, I've just sort of adapted and I understand it so much better now. And I, I feel like I have, my skill set has expanded with dealing with, with those kinds of access to patients and it doesn't bother me at all anymore. I almost like the challenge. Looking to the future, do you see any major changes coming to the field of headache medicine, whether it's technology or, or major new drug developments? Yeah, actually, there's there's a really exciting new class of drugs that are coming to the market soon. Um, they're called the CGRP antagonists. They're monoclonal antibodies that are targeting one of the, the main neuropeptides that transmits migraine pain signals. They're probably going to hit the market in 2018, maybe 2019 at the latest, um, but they are pretty exciting. Um, they're the first preventative medication for migraine that is specifically targeted just for migraine. So it's a very exciting new treatment. I, you know, I think it's going to be pretty revolutionary for the way that we look at, at migraine management going forward. And I think it's going to spur a lot of new research because we're going to start to expand off of this and look at other pain neuropeptides, develop other monoclonal antibodies to them. So I think that the field is only going to grow bigger and we're going to get more tools in our toolbox to be able to treat migraines. If you had to do it all over again, would you choose what you're doing now? I think you could guess the answer would be yes. <laughs> easy, easy answer. <laughs> I am a pretty big fan of headache medicine. Um, I, I love it. I think that it is one of the most interesting parts of neurology and the most rewarding parts. 
And on the same, you know, on the flip side of that, I think it's one of the most difficult parts, but I, I like that. Um, I like that combination. As we wrap up here, any last words of wisdom for a pre-med or a medical student that is interested in this career? I would just say, you know, make sure that you're, like I said before, that you're, that you're interested in the information. Like if you're, you know, make sure that you like reading about the central nervous system, that you like reading about neurotransmitters, that you don't hate psychiatry, you know, that you, that you can find a passion in the, in the information because you're going to need to really delve nitty gritty into the central nervous system anatomy, into the neurotransmitter systems. And if you hate all that stuff, because neurology doesn't come easy to everyone, if you really don't like that information, then I think that's telling you something. So I would say just make sure that you really like what you're reading or like the process of learning about the brain and then, you know, just go from there. All right. So there you have it. Headache medicine with Dr. Kristen Saylor. If you are thinking about going into headache medicine or even neurology and are undecided about the specialty in neurology, I hope this podcast was helpful for you. I would love for you, if this was helpful, I would love for you to leave a rating and review in iTunes. It's easy to do. You can do it on your phone if you're on an iOS device or just open up iTunes on your computer. Leave a rating and review for us. I hope this was very helpful for you and I hope you will join us next week here at the Specialty Stories Podcast. Don't forget to check out everything else that we're doing at mededmedia.com.